This week on Young Nostalgia, we order two Sunday Times, but only for the comic strip. Let's take a look. We are back for another week of Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan. As always, Ben is beside me, and we are podcasting at the breakfast table as uh, we whip out the local newspaper and hit each other with it. Good to see you, man. How you doing, big guy? <laughs> oh, I'm doing okay. I'm, you know, it's raining cats and dogs here, but oh, it's uh, crazy. Uh, it's pretty good other than that. We've got 95% humidity in the big old capital of Nebraska. Oh, fantastic. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I, had to cha- I had to change my shirt just by looking at my car. I'm like, oh, man, she's a beaut. All right, I'll be right back. <laughs> um, so. I thought, sure, on the, the intro there, I, I, you know, I never know what uh, Nolan's going to talk about for the, the very introduction there. And I thought, sure, you're going to go like the, the spaghetti route or something. Isn't that? Uh, what's Garf? Wow, I totally, I might have just totally messed that up. What's oh Garfield's? My, oh my god! Oh food? my god! Do you are you are you even an American? I, I I'm I'm not I'm not a I'm not a super fan. I'll say that. Did I screw Lasa- it up really La- that bad? Lasagna, lasagna. Las- oh my gosh! Okay, it's a it's a pasta dish. Okay, I got it. <laughs> pasta dish of the of the noodle kind. Huh? Wow. Well, I think that just kind of sets the credibility of this whole show right there. So, uh. Well, you know, by the time everyone listens to this, we hope you had a wonderful and safe Labor Day weekend. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. We are going to do another then and now. I'm sorry, I didn't really acknowledge the fact that you just discredited us the entire show. So I'm, I'm just going to keep on podcasting and, and we'll we'll go from there. It's, it's all right. I'll be over here if you need me. Right. <laughs> I need to give you like a buzzing button so only I can give you permission to talk. You know, I like I'll, I'll I'll mute you from over here and then then you hit a buzzer and it rings in my ear so I know if you actually have something to say. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's not as bad as uh, uh, Oklahoma from last week. Was that Oklahoma? I said something. Oh my about, gosh! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you said yeah. You said t- from Tulsa. Okay. <laughs> At first, I thought you were like pulling my leg, and like you, you like purposely did that. But then you, you were like, "Oh, wait a second. <laughs> no, I was not kidding. <laughs> that uh. was that was funny. <laughs> All right, we have another then and now, volume eight. This time around, we're going to be talking about the Sunday comics. We're going to be talking about two cartoonists, American cartoonists. Uh, the big ones, Charles Schultz, uh, that made Peanuts, as well as Jim Davis, who makes. Uh, the Garfield series, um, one of the two most prominent cartoonists of our age. Um, and then we see their comic strips, obviously new ones and replayed ones to this day. So it's going to be great to talk about them, how they got started. Um, and it's kind of crazy how much money can come from comics, man. Like, I understand that, like, syndication is a thing, but holy crap. Like, just like any sort of art in, you know, comedy and media comics are is just like a league of their own it's right. crazy and i i feel like it's one of those uh one of those fields that has uh two extremes with not a whole lot in the middle there's you're either bottom of the barrel and yeah you might have a popular cartoon but you're probably in only one or two papers 
or you can be absolute mm-hmm. top and you're syndicated in every paper uh, or publication, you know, across the United States and you're huge. And I just feel like there's <laughs> there's more people in those extremes than there are in the middle. Right. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. All right. Well, I mean, do you have a favorite comic uh, before we get into it? Um, I can't really say I have. I No, I don't really have a favorite comic. I do like Peanuts a lot. Um, okay. But classic. I we'd also, you know, I don't we don't get the paper and I don't buy the paper ever. You know, it's like I like I like it. You know, if I'm over at my parents' right. house or something like that, I'll flip to the comic section and I'll read it. Um, but you know, I don't. I, I enjoy it. I don't go out of my way to buy a paper. I guess. Um. Okay. But uh, what about you? What what you got for favorite comic? I'm with you. I was a paper boy for the longest time, so <laughs> oh, I, I got okay. I got I got paper almost every single day. Um, gotcha. But we don't buy it anymore. But anyway, it's it was good stuff. Uh, I'd have to say, like I've become really fond of the Dilbert series. I like just the animation style, <laughs> the office politic humor. It just kind of cracks me up. It, it's funny. I I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. I I don't think the Ashland paper doesn't have, uh, doesn't have. Dilbert, but I am I am aware of what it is, and it does it is pretty good. I like it. the The animation style does yeah. crack me up, and something about something about Dilbert cracks me up as well. <laughs> With his tie is just name. like ironed up. Yeah, <laughs> the name too. I know. It's just all the time. Um, you know, just one a goofy, thing, goofy thing. I guess I might have to resend my uh, my peanuts a little bit because I just remembered. I, I I can't I don't know of the origins of it at all. Um I have several books that are nothing but like full-size comics of uh Gary oh, okay. Larson's The Far Side. Oh. I don't know if you know much about that one. Um and it's a lot of it's just kind of uh there's a lot of plays on common sayings, I guess. Um and okay. It's they're not really it's not a really continuing series. You know, it could be this and a lot of it's single pane comics as well. Um okay. and it's it's kind of there'll be one and there could be another one with not even the same subject matter or even characters at all. They're all based off of they all look the same, you know, the the style of drawing, that sort of thing. So there's not really a continuation. But uh, you know, definitely uh definitely a good one to to look into. They crack me up. Okay, I will write that down, and I'll get back to that. All right. Good. So you better. Uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we are ready. Shall we get back into it? Let's do it. All right, man. All right, who's up first? All right, we got... Uh, we'll start off with Charles Schultz. So, then... Uh, <laughs> then wow. we'll move into <laughs> Charles Schultz, Schultz, born November twenty sixth. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. Okay, all right. Born November twenty sixth, nineteen twenty two, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, Schultz grew up in later grew up in St. Paul. Um, went by a <laughs> sorry. I I realized that didn't make much sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's fine. It's fine. Just set me up a failure. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Often went by a uh, 
a nickname of Sparky after his uncle called him Sparky um, after the horse spark plug in Billy Billy Debick's comic strip Barney Google. Um, not heard of it, not really familiar with that comic strip. Um, Schultz loved drawing and sometimes uh, drew his family dog Spike who ate unusual things such as pins and tacks. Uh, <laughs> wow! I, I don't even I don't even know why that would be. Why would you even Why would you even eat that? I don't, <laughs> um, I, I don't know, man. But you know, the the only reason I guess why we're talking about this, why it's important, is because in 1937, Schultz drew a picture of Spike and sent it into Ripley's Believe It or Not, um, and his drawing actually appeared in Robert Ripley's syndicated panel, which is pretty cool. So that's a you know a really Absolutely. really early. Um, kind of uh, foot in the door into the comic industry career, I guess. Right. <laughs> so, uh, moving on a little bit, Schultz was a shy, timid boy as he even skipped multiple grades in elementary school. Uh, one well-known episode in his high school life was the rejections of his drawings in his high school yearbook, um, which he actually kind of referred back to this incident in Peanuts years later. Uh, when he had Lucy ask Charlie Brown to sign a picture he drew of a horse, only to then say it was a prank. So he's kind of, you know, uh, remembering this. And, you know, I kind of see something like this as kind of a, a, a stick in the eye to, you know, the people who rejected his his comics for the yearbook because it's, it's like, hey, you reject me, but, you know, look at me now. Right, right. Look at me now. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> and, and and it's funny how, I mean, especially it obviously takes a certain kind of mind and creative uh, ability to kind of almost take personal experiences and turn them into um, a laughing stock or like a laughing matter for other people to kind of relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, take some good talent. So it's cool that he was able to draw on that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, just that whole, you know, sticking it to him thing too. I, it, that gets me. That's funny. <laughs> 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 Turns out to be you know, one of the biggest names in in comic strips ever. Right. Um, so Schultz's first group of regular cartoons, a weekly series of one panel jokes called Lil Folks, um, was published from June 1947 until January 1950 in the St. Paul Pioneer Press, uh, with Schultz usually doing one four panel drawing, <clears throat> a series of one four. Wow. Holy cow. (laughs) A series of four one-panel drawings per issue. Got it. Nailed it. (laughs) So that's that's one panel each, and they did four of them. There we go. I just got to clarify. (laughs) So how many does that make? How how many does that make total, though? Oh, boy. I just butchered all of that. Now you're asking me to do math? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Uh, It was in Lil Folks that Schultz first used the name Charlie Brown for a character, although he applied the theme in four gags to three different boys. Uh, the series also had a dog that looked very much like Snoopy. So, you know, even, it's not like, uh, I mean, Charlie Brown, the actual, or the Peanuts was actually, you know, a totally separate um, series to this, but this kind of shows leading up into it that, you know, he was already formulating these ideas before, uh, before Peanuts itself actually took off. Right. 
Right. So and it's kind of cool how like character characters are always evolved, um, especially through the syndication process. Uh, just like imagine how much influence went into character design um, throughout the years of little folks and everything like that. Well, he kind of was able to iron out what worked, what didn't work. But obviously, the art style art style kind of stays the same, which is cool to see. Yeah, you know, it, it's not exactly the same, but I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit with uh, when we talked about Stan Lee, how mm-hmm. it's really common when you dig into the backstories of these, you know, whether it's famous animators, writers, creators, anything like that, how when you look at when you look at the series of the artwork that they're actually known for, and then you look back there's kind of it's not like they just came up with that idea and put it out there and it was a hit it's kind of like they spent years and years and years trial and erroring these other characters that all kind of came together to create this one work that eventually took off so it's you know it's mm-hmm. kind of take years of experience seeing what people like what didn't work what people what turned people off and you take the uh, character traits or the actual drawing style of that person and you mix it with another one from a different comic that was really popular and now you've got now you've got something right uh, moving forward uh, a little farther in May of 1948 Schultz sold his first one panel drawing to the Saturday Evening Post within the next two years a total of 17 untitled drawings by Schultz were published in the post simultaneously with his work for the Pioneer Press and you know if anybody out there you know if anybody that knows anything would know that uh, putting <laughs> anything in the in the Saturday evening post um, you know you're starting to you're starting to work your way up at that point you know that's right it's not really you know you're not in small time publications anymore Exactly. Uh, around this same time period, uh, he tried to have little folks syndicated through the Newspaper Enterprise Association. Um, Schultz would have ha- would have been an independent contractor for the syndicate, unheard of in the 1940s. Uh, but the deal ended up falling through, unfortunately. Um, and then little folks uh, subsequently was dropped from the Pioneer Press in January of 1950. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's, that's one of those things where it kind of, kind of goes back to a little bit we were talking about a few minutes ago about, you know, everything's kind of a lead up to, um, you know, his major work, the peanuts that, you know, that everyone knows him for, you know, I, I just thinking about how, how different that could have went had he been picked up as syndicated, um, for little folks, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he could have been syndicated for that and it wasn't super well received and, you know, it, it was, it ends up getting dropped and his name just kind of fizzles out rather than him being dropped early right. on. And now he, you know, brought up something totally different that ended up being popular. You know, just one of those, you know, what if kind of things had stuff gone that direction. Maybe, maybe we wouldn't ever have heard of Charles Schultz. I'm really having a hard right. time with Schultz. And just too. a, yeah, I know, I know, I can. <laughs> uh, I, I never mind. I I won't say what I was about to say. I was going to get us way off topic, but we got to keep on uh, trucking along. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, moving, uh, kind of into the 1950s. Uh, later in 1950, Schultz 
approached United Feature Syndicate with the one panel series, little folks, and the syndicate actually became interested. Um, by that time, Schultz had also developed a comic strip usually using four panels rather than one, and to Schultz's delight, the syndicate preferred that version. Uh, and this is kind of where we're starting to see Peanuts uh, make an appearance. Uh, the actual Peanuts comic strip made its first appearance on October 2nd of 1950 in seven newspapers. The weekly, sun, the weekly Sunday page debuted on January 6th of 1952. Um, kind of a slow and rocky start. Um, the Peanuts eventually became the most popular comic strips of all time, um, as well as the most influential. Right, I mean, and I love it. I mean, every single every single piece of Peanuts just makes sense. I mean, almost anybody can relate to that, you know? Like, just these naive kids being naive together and, you know, maybe making stupid choices or picking on each other. You know, adults can obviously take a look at that and, like, get a kick out of it. Like, oh, this reminds me of, you know, my little brother and I when I was their mm-hmm. age and all this other stuff. And, and you know, the, the elevated naive humor really connects with people, I feel like. And that's, and that's what really brought it so high in value for people to enjoy. And, you know, almost one of those things where, like, hey, this makes me smile on a bad day. So that's when people, you know, cut out the comic strip from the paper, put it on the fridge or put it in their cubicle. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, or they put it on a calendar or something like that. It's it's one of those things that you keep on looking at it until it's yellowed, but it still makes you smile. Yeah, and it's it's uh there's so many comics that are they it's so obvious that they try too hard and you have to think too much about the humor. Like you read it and then you have to like reread it and analyze what they're even talking about to get (laughs) to get the jokes and then on the other side there's stuff that's it's so incredibly simple it's like wow were you having a rough week you know trying to come up with a topic or something you know um but it's like peanuts kind of falls right in the middle of those two where it's simple and you don't have to really think about it but it's it's just it's just funny because, like you said, I mean, it's it's kind of a, an an analysis of you know these kids that you know they don't really know the world, but you know they're I don't know I it, it guess it's hard to explain what I'm trying to talk about, but uh, right it, it it almost allows anybody to be stuck in a moment where it's like authority doesn't matter you know when like right, adults exactly. like wah, 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 you know like that kind of stuff i absolutely love it and yeah it's, it's you know really a kid cool. getting lectured about something and they have no idea what they're talking about you know <laughs> right, right. and that, that's kind of how i see that <clears throat> right and, um, and that's kind of how i hear michelle too when she talks to me <laughs> she must not be in the room right now but well she doesn't <laughs> listen to the podcast either so we're good oh there you go there you go Uh, (laughs) more about the peanuts um at its height peanuts was published daily in 2600 papers in 75 countries um also in 21 different languages um over the nearly 50 yeah i mean that's that's amazing over the nearly 50 years that peanuts was published schultz drew nearly 18,000 strips (laughs) wow (laughs) <laughs> I I don't even have anything to say about that. That's nuts. Yeah, I know. Uh, right? <laughs> the strips plus merchandise and product endorsements produced revenues of more than $1 billion per year, 
with Schultz earning an estimated $30 million to $40 million annually. During God, the strip, that's crazy. For I comic. Know, for I comics. know, for a stinking comic strip, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, during the strip's run, Schultz took only one vacation, a five-week break in late 1997 to celebrate his 75th birthday. Um, reruns of the strip ran during his vacation, um, the only time that occurred, that actually occurred during Schultz's lifetime. Amazing. Just yep. amazing dedication. I mean, obviously he loved it. Obviously he was passionate about it. And obviously he was good at it. So I, I know. I mean, that's in 50 years only took one break. You know, I mean, granted, that was a Jeez. five week. That was a heck of a break for five weeks. But right. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. That's. Oh, that's so cool. I can't even imagine. Right. And that's one thing I really love about doing this with you too, man, is that even we learn every single episode a little something new about these influential people. It's awesome. Right. I mean, we um, we generally pick our topics because it's, you know, there's a big name and we know a little bit about that person and we know that person was famous and we know what they're famous for. But, you know, even if we go into it knowing quite a bit about somebody, not saying not really a good example here with Schultz. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, there's still so much always to learn about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Moving on into Schultz's now on Sunday, May 8th, 1988, two gunmen. So there's actually in uh kidnapping attempt. That's why I wanted to put this in here. Oh, yeah. Um, so in 19, 1988, two gunmen in ski masks entered the Schultz's home through an unlocked door planning to kidnap, uh, gene but the attempt uh, failed when their daughter jill drove up to the house prompting the the would-be kidnappers to flee i believe gene is uh, schultz's wife so jill called the police from a neighbor's house sonomar county sheriff dick Mc, uh, M- michelson said it was obviously an attempted kidnap ransom and this was a targeted criminal act they knew exactly who the victims were and they knew what they were doing so crazy that you know schultz's name was so popularized that they're like, well, he makes a crap ton of money. Let's kidnap him or some family member and try to get some money out of it. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, because I mean that's the kind of thing that you that you expect to hear from uh, the family of celebrities or politicians or something like that. Um, definitely not right. the kind of thing you expect to to read about from uh, the family of a famous cartoonist. <laughs> right you know right. even someone as famous uh, as charles schultz but i don't know that's i i had no idea that that was actually a thing Eight, 1988 wow me neither crazy yeah. absolutely crazy um in addition to comics schultz was interest, interested in art in general his favorite artist was later known um in his later years as andrew wyeth as a young adult schultz also developed a passion for classical music and although the character schroeder in peanuts adored beethoven schultz's personal favorite composer was actually reported to be brahms so kind of a personal connection there almost where it's like i wonder if he wasn't a fan of beethoven so he used it in such a com- com- uh, like comical way it let him, like oh. you know, kind of use that. I don't really know, but it would be kind of cool. Yeah, if that, that kind of made that connection. That would be interesting right. to know. Yeah, if he actually like didn't like the guy at all and was just trying to kind of stick it to him by putting him in a, you know, kind of joking around <laughs> about him in a comic. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, I hope that, I, uh, I hope that's, that's a, the case. 
I knew I do too. Uh, that's how I would do it. Um, Schultz announced his retirement on December 14th of 1999 after suffering from multiple small strokes, trouble keeping his hand stable while drawing, and a heart bypass surgery throughout the 1980s and 90s. And actually during his bypass surgery, uh, Ronald Reagan actually gave him a call to wish him a speedy recovery, which is kind of cool. Oh, you know what? I think I have heard of that. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, (laughs) when Ronald Reagan (laughs) picks up the phone and calls you to wish you a a speedy recovery. I mean, right. It's all downhill from there, I would think. Right. And see, like, I'm glad they didn't have like caller ID back then because that call would probably come in and then the number would literally just show like blocked or unknown. I would just hang up. Reagan would go straight to a voicemail. Yeah. You end up sending Ronald Reagan to voicemail. Right. Nobody sends Ronald Reagan to voicemail. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. Schultz passed away at his home on February 12th of 2000 at the age of 77 of colon cancer. The last original Peanut strip was published the next day on Sunday, February 13th of 2000. Schultz was honored on May 27th of 2000 by cartoonists of more than 100 comic strips who paid homage to him and Peanuts by incorporating his characters into their own strips that day as well. Um, Throughout his life, uh, Schultz was... Uh, crowned many awards, including the National Cartoonist Society's Humor Comic Strip Award back in 1962 for the uh, none other than Peanuts comic strip, the Society's L.Z. Seeger Award in 1980, and was also the first two-time winner of their Rubin Award for 1955 and 1964, and the Milton Caniff Lifetime Achievement Award in 1999, all for his work with humor in papers and comic strips on june 28th of 1996 schultz was honored with a star on the hollywood walk of fame right adjacent to walt disney's own star on the hollywood walk of fame how cool Ah, is that i mean this guy has made such an impact i didn't even know he had a star on the hollywood walk of fame that is pretty neat isn't it (laughs) that's cool i like it but I mean, I guess I guess it does kind of carry over a little bit because there was the Peanuts movies and that sort of thing too. I mean, it's not saying he mm-hmm, wouldn't mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been warranted, um, you know, had there not been movies. You know, he was big enough in in anime, even though it wasn't you know actual animation. Uh, but he was big enough, you know, in the cartoonist industry, obviously, to where he probably oh yeah would have deserved one anyway. But uh, I guess that's a good in when you've taken your already very successful franchise or strip i guess and uh right make it a motion picture (laughs) yeah right (laughs) and that's showed every year showed every year without a doubt yeah and have like a cult-like following of people who like can't go through any holiday without watching you know the peanuts the corresponding peanuts to that holiday right absolutely (laughs) but uh all right well i guess we'll uh move on into jim davis here i'll uh take over with the very beginning of jim davis so born july 28th of 1945 in marion indiana Davis's childhood on a farm parallels the life of Garfield's owner, John Arbuckle, who was also raised on a farm uh, with his parents and brother, Doc Boy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) John is a cartoonist who also celebrates his birthday on July 28th. Excuse me. 
Yeah. In, in college, he studied art and business before going to work for Tumbleweeds creator Tom Ryan. Uh, there, he learned the skills and discipline necessary to become a syndicated cartoonist and began his own strip, uh, Norm Knapp. Uh, and this is kind of cool because almost like Jim Davis had like an apprenticeship almost, not even, he almost had help yeah. like breaking out into the industry rather than just kind of grinding away. I mean, obviously he grinded away, but a little bit of help along the way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of interesting, you know, to to look at the the differences in early careers between Charles Schultz and... Jim Davis, you know, where Schultz, I mean, he, he, uh, in the same way he, he worked hard and, and, uh, put his nose to the grindstone to, to make it happen. Um, but there isn't a whole lot talked about, uh, you know, how he worked with somebody else. He didn't necessarily have a mentor to look up to and help him learn and that sort of thing kind of did it all himself. Whereas Jim Davis kind of took a different route and, you know, kind of, walked in the shadows of somebody else before he was, you know, it was his turn to take the stage with his first comic strip. Right. Uh, okay, so moving on after Norm Nat, uh, when he tried to sell a strip to a newspaper syndicate, he was told, it's funny, but bugs? Who can relate to a bug? <laughs> 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 it's, which, I mean, they do have a point, but... You know, do you really have to relate too much to it? If it's funny, it's funny. Um, so after five years of Norm, David Davis crushed the bug strip idea and tried a new tact, studying the comic comics pages closely. Uh, he noticed there were a lot of successful strips about dogs, but none about cats. <laughs> so <laughs> combining his wry wit... With the art skills he had honed since childhood, Garfield, a fat, lazy, lasagna-loving, cynical cat, was born. There we go. <laughs> Davis says Garfield is a composite of all the cats he remembered from his childhood rolled into one feisty orange furball. Garfield was named after his grandfather, James Garfield Davis. That's cool. You know, I guess, I guess we that kind of goes along with the conversation we are having before, too, where the difference in these two pretty much the 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 biggest comic strip guys ever where Schultz ground away ground away ground away and he came up with the peanuts whereas uh Schultz did a he kind of or I'm sorry uh Davis worked at it like a little <laughs> bit more clinical it seems like you know he kind of Mm-hmm. He realized that Norm Nat wasn't really going anywhere, wasn't really ever going to make it big with it. Um, and so instead of just kind of starting something new and hoping it works, uh, he took a look at it and, you know, he, he did what, you know, anyone would do when they're trying to start their own business. They look, they look for a problem and then they try to, then you make a solution to that problem. You know, there has to right. be a market for what you're trying to create. And he took that into the comic book strip industry and said, Hey, I don't see anything out there. That's like this. I wonder why. And started doing it. And obviously, I mean, you know, Garfield's still popular today. So it kind of shows, you know, how that went, Mm -hmm. you know, you you got, you got to have, you have to have demand for your product and pretty much nailed it. Knocked it out of the park with that. 
<laughs> so the strip debuted in on June 19th of 1978 in 41 United States newspapers. Several months after the launch, the Chicago Sun-Times canceled Garfield. Um, and uh, over 1,300 angry readers actually demanded that Garfield was reinstated. <laughs> so, I love it. You, you, know, you know you made it when... Uh when you get the entire city of Chicago on your side. Right, yeah. In that relatively short time period, you know, several several months after it actually launched, for you to gain that uh that level of fan base to where they're actually angry enough to write in and, you know, say, hey, bring this back. You know, I mean lots of other comic strips would have been like, Hey, I don't see my favorite comic strip in there anymore. Oh well, there's something in its place. I bet it's just as good. You know, right. But right. You know, Garfield was able to uh, take hold of readers well enough that they're like, nah, bring it back, bring it back. We can't we can't go without it. <laughs> it's not the paper without Garfield. <laughs> exactly. Garfield quickly became a sensation in the licensing world, too, um, inspiring Davis to form his own company to take care of the Garfield business concerned Paws Incorporated, founded in 1981 manages the worldwide rights for the famous fat cat. Um, and Davis actually serves as the president of that company. And so that's just I look mean, at that, man. Three, three years after debut, Davis had to make his own company just to like organize the business of Garfield. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, just not, not even looking at it, you know, after three years, it's that you have to do that in general. Like the character that you created is so popular and you have to, you know, you've got so much uh, licensing issues out there. People want to use the the likeness or the idea of Garfield so much that you have to, you can't handle it by yourself. That you have to create a company just to just to handle mm-hmm. it for you. I mean, that's that's amazing, absolutely amazing. It is, absolutely. It's so cool. Good for him, though. You know, <laughs> yeah. good for him. Yeah, to make that both of these guys to make that big of a. Uh, that successful of a living off of, you know, writing and drawing comic strips is, you know, that's a talent. Right. I mean, what are we doing, man? We're behind. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to get on it. I mean, two years in and we're we don't we don't have super angry fan mail asking us to come back when we take a week off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. Which we haven't taken a week off for a very long time. No, which that's, is good. Okay, you're not wrong there. We have not. We're doing pretty good. <laughs> We are doing very good. All right. On to Jim Davis's now. Today, Garfield is read in over 2,100 newspapers by 200 million people. 200 million people. Guinness World Records named Garfield the most widely syndicated comic strip in the entire world. That's crazy. Um, wow. Davis's peers at the National Cartoonist Society honored him the best humor strip in 1981 and 1985, the L.Z. Seeger Award of 1990, and the coveted Rubin Award in 1990, the top award presented to the cartoonists by the NCS members. All those awards sound familiar because Charles Schultz also had them, so we are in the presence of two greats via this amazing shared Google Doc. I bet all of our <laughs> listeners would give anything to be here. To read our show notes right now. <laughs> we are in the presence of greatness, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to set up an auction site where we we can, we're able to auction off our <laughs> our show notes or, or, or we can hold them back for oh. a limited release. 
Right. Yeah. Limited. <laughs> limited really. You have to become a Patreon member to even get the first page. <laughs> you know, we can do like like Disney does. We can lock it away in the vault for like twenty years. Oh and my god! Do a, yes, a, a the vault. limited li- limited release. <laughs> <laughs> now remastered. Oh my god! <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Remastered. They actually fixed all the spelling mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Took out all of our <laughs> nonsense comments all over the place. Yeah. For- Right. Um, Garfield quickly became a sensation in the licensing world, too, inspiring Davis. Oh, so sorry. I think. uh, Sorry. Inspiring Davis to form his own company. All right. I definitely had that in there twice. (laughs) (laughs) The best is that I read it and didn't. I had no idea. I was just going for it. Um, Garfield's fame. Garfield's fame spilled over to television and Davis penned. Uh, 11 primetime specials for the CBS TV broadcasting service. He re- he received 10 Emmy nominations and four Emmy awards for outstanding animated program. I love it, man. Garfield just kind of infiltrated almost every single part of media. Um, oh, he did. Uh, movie. Yeah, it's crazy. Even movies. Check this out. Movies were up next. 20th Century Fox turned out uh, Garfield, the movie in 04, and Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties in 06. Davis also wrote the original screenplays and executive produced three animated features for DVD. Uh, Garfield Gets Real in 07, Garfield's Fun Fest in 08, and Garfield's Pet Force in 09. So kind of just like animated shorts that you could get on a DVD set, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um also, back in 2009, The Garfield Show made its debut on Cartoon Network, and today the CGI animated cartoon is in its fourth season and is seen in 131 countries, including China, where CCTV broadcasts show daily. Absolutely crazy that that is still kicking it. Um, obviously, there has been some breaks in between the seasons, but four seasons strong, and the animated Garfield Show is still going. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Well, it's, it's. I mean... It's funny to look at the uh, between Garfield and Peanuts. You know, once once they were created and once they were syndicated, you know, if you kind of look at their paths as far as popularity goes, and you know, the directions that the two comic strips went, it's very it's very similar. You know, it's mm-hmm. just Garfield being, you know, started later than the Peanuts. Um, Right. You know, both uh, huge successes in comics um, end up going to movies, extremely similar awards won by the creators. Um, you know, so so the differences, you know, not a whole lot of differences in the in the popularity path that the both both uh, Schultz and Davis took. Right. And, uh, you know, the big difference is kind of how each one has evolved. Obviously, I'm a I'm a big fan of Peanuts just because of the nostalgia of it and almost how no matter what, it is so timeless. The art mm-hmm. style, the, uh, you know, the comedy, it, it, it stays timeless that you don't have to upgrade it and reanimate it for 2019 standards. Like, you can always relate, you can always laugh, you can always appreciate it. And obviously, Garfield has grown to be a lot bigger um a lot more spread out a lot more modern which is you know totally fine but uh mm-hmm. i think I'd, i'll always take comic strips over like the weird animation of the new show you know what i mean oh yeah oh 100 percent agreed and and that's you know it's looking at the looking at just the comic strips only um 
I would have to say that they're they're both fairly similar in the fact that they are they are timeless. You know, I don't think there's ever going to be a time in history where they're not relevant. Um, and that goes for both of them, Peanuts and Garfield. Um, but like you said, I mean, oh, if yeah. you look at the the later Garfield stuff, it was getting to a point in time where it's it is relevant to only that time period. And that that also goes with, you know, the movies and the TV shows, too. They're obviously going to be talking about subject matter that's maybe wouldn't have been relevant back then and might not be in the next 20 years, too. It, who knows? But looking at the the base comic strips, the the original long running comic strips, I think they're both very similar in that, you know, they're they're always they're always going to be out there and they're always going to be enjoyable. Right. I'm with you. Uh, just to round out the show, stepping away a little bit, Davis's uh, career also involved a lot of philanthropy outside of his uh, professional work. Davis's philanthropy has been directed at educational and environmental projects. He funded the Professor Garfield Foundation in cooperation with the Ball State University to support children's literacy. Um, a free educational website, www.professorgarfield.org, is the cornerstone of the foundation's work to date. And that's kind of cool. Um, kind of using the springboard of the widespread um, icon of Garfield to kind of further uh, Im- improving everyone's lives, um, along with comedy, obviously, but uh, making making the world a little bit brighter, which is always awesome to see. Um, mm-hmm. Davis spearheaded reforestation, prairie, and wetlands restorations and built the world's first all-natural wastewater plant for commercial use. Um, this is kind of this is kind of cool and crazy. He was awarded the National Arbor Day Foundation's Good Steward and Special Projects Award and the Indiana Wildlife Federation's Conservationist of the... That just makes up for my entirety of of being pretty okay this this episode. That just makes up for everything. Everything just went downhill. Conservationists of the Year Award. Uh, okay, I, I have two more bullet two more bullet points, and then we can round this out and pretend that never even happened. Davis spends his leisure time golfing, gardening, fishing, and enjoying enjoying uh, life with his wife, children, and grandchildren. Um, it said enjoying his wife, but I thought that kind of came off weird, so I wanted to add a little bit more to that. In a in a nod gotcha. to Garfield's friends in the comic strip, <laughs> Davis also keeps one cat Nermal and a dog Pookie. Absolutely love it. Seems like a pretty down to earth, pretty cool before. guy. No, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> uh, it's pretty. Funny. Oh my god, but, um. I love it. But that's uh. <laughs> That's then and now. Jim Davis obviously has his hands out in the world, uh, making it a better place as well, which is always good to see. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add on Jim Davis before we close out the show. No, I, I, I not anything substantive, I would say. Um, but it's just, you know, once again, I have to say, I mean, it's, it's just super impressive that uh, guys like Jim Davis and uh, Charles Schultz can take um, can take what's a hobby to most people and turn it into um, such a such a, a big career and you know be influential with it too. I mean, with with his in regards to like Davis's philanthropy work and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the kind of thing that 
that people do just on the side for fun and maybe make a few bucks here and there. And these guys were, you know, creative enough and they worked hard enough to turn it, you know, into something huge, into a multi-million and sometimes billion dollar um, industry. Absolutely. And it's something that will never, ever get old. Uh, Honestly, I feel like comics just make the newspaper. Um, No matter what's in the news, you know, you can always rely on the comics for a little bit of of R&R at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, that's you, you got to have that in there. You read about all the bad stuff and then you flip over to the comics and just to make yourself feel a little bit better. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have to read it's the adult the stuff Life and then you got to go to the kid stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is Young Nostalgia Then and Now, Volume 8. We talked about Charles Schultz and Jim Davis of the Peanuts and Garfield comic strips. Um, respectively. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, it is a pleasure to be here and have you guys along for the ride. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, any way you get your favorite podcasts, we're on there. Hit that subscribe button, scroll down, please leave a five-star review. If you like what you hear, hit that write a review button, let us know what you enjoy and what you always look forward to. Take about 30 seconds. We'd love to hear from you. As always, you can always give us an email at youngnostalgiapod, that's youngnostalgiapod, P-O-D at gmail. Dot com and let us know what you think as well as future topics or if you'd like to be a guest with us we'd love to have you on we have a couple um hopefully guests in the future that we're excited to bring on and talk a little bit more about we've been in talks with uh dr shane tilton again uh we're looking to have him on and kind of talk about uh the importance of having almost convention-like hobby sharing uh, as he is in pax west right now uh for a big video gaming convention we'd like to have him on pick his brain about how good it is to kind of uh share a hobby in such a big space and almost uh, further the the passion for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're excited to have him on. Um, anything else, big guy, before we close out? It was good. That was a fun show. Uh, there for a while, over the past year or so, we've been kind of neglecting the then and nows a little bit. Um, and it'd be nice to get back into those and do them a little bit more regularly. Um, and so, I mean, I think that was fun. I think it was kind of a good first step in getting back into this type of show a little bit more frequently mm-hmm. I'm with you man you're the best co-host ever and this is the best podcast in the entire world thank you so much for joining us as we always say as we always say here on Young Nostalgia keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full we'll talk to you next week <laughs> <laughs>